Good morning. Today is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. So what I would like to share with you this morning is not a story from Rabbi Biederman, but a Dvar Torah. And it starts out a bit technical. <clears throat> so I ask you to please bear with me. But the message that it derives <coughs> is magnificent. It will change the way that you experience Rosh Hashanah. So it's very curious that nowhere in the Torah does the Torah say on Rosh Hashanah, blow a shofar. <laughs> Sounds kind of surprising, but there is no such pasuk. There is no verse. There is a verse that says that Rosh Hashanah is Yom Trua, the day of the Trua sound. Okay, maybe you want to interpret that to mean if it's the day of the Trua sound, presumably it's the day of the Trua sound because you're blowing the Trua from the shofar. Okay, but, but that's not what the Torah says. The other Pasuk, the only other Pasuk that relates to Rosh Hashanah is where the Torah says the Rosh Hashanah is Zichron Trua, which means a remembrance of the Trua sound. That sounds even less like an obligation to blow the shofar. In fact, later on our rabbis interpret that Pasuk to be a remez, a hint to the later rabbinic legislation that we discussed last Thursday night that if Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, we do not blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah that falls on Shabbos because of a rabbinic decree. We discussed that last Thursday night. But our rabbis use this verse as a hint, zichron trua, meaning there could be a day of Rosh Hashanah where you're not blowing the shofar at all, but you're remembering the shofar. It's a day to remember the shofar. But those are the only two psukim that relate to this subject. And it's just very strange. Why does the Torah not simply say, on Rosh Hashanah, blow the shofar? Okay, that's question number one. Question number two is, if in fact the Torah does not command blowing the shofar overtly on Rosh Hashanah, how in fact do we know that it is a mitzvah? What is the source of the technical obligation to hear the sound of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. So this is a little bit of the complicated part and I'm going to oversimplify just a little bit. But the Talmud says the derivation for the obligation to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah comes from the mitzvah of Yovel. The Torah says on Yovel to blow a shofar. And the Talmud derives that that likewise applies every Rosh Hashanah to blow the shofar. Okay, so let's take a parenthesis and let's now discuss the mitzvah of Yovel, which is a completely separate subject, but let's discuss this briefly. Yovel refers to the 50th year, the Jubilee year. From the time the Jewish people entered the land of Israel and conquered and settled the land of Israel, every seven years, 
there was a Shemitah year, a sabbatical year. And during the Shemitah year, no one planted, no one harvested like an owner, certain debts were uh, forgiven, and people would spend the year in spiritual study, intellectual study, but not their normal jobs. That was every seven years. At the end of seven seven-year cycles, so that's 49 years, the seventh Shemitah, so that's a Shemitah year, the, that 49th year is followed by the 50th year. And the 50th year is the Yovel year. And the Yovel, you could call it like a, a super Shemitah year, meaning all the laws of Shemitah continue during the Yovel, so no planting, no harvesting like an owner. You understand the general question, if you don't plant and you don't harvest like an owner during a regular sabbatical year, Shemitah year, how's everybody going to eat? How are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to support yourself? Very good question. But whatever answer you come up with that question, what, every 50 years when you get to the Ovel, the question is double because it's not one year, it's two years in a row of no planting, no harvesting like an owner, so, okay, so that requires an answer to understand how society would function. We'll leave that to the side for a moment. But in addition to the continuation of the Shemitah laws, there was a whole new set of laws that apply in the 50th year, the Yovel, the Jubilee year, as follows. All land in Israel that had been sold during the previous 49 years reverts to the original owner. In other words, in Israel, when the Shemitah and Yovel cycles are in effect, there's really no such thing as absolute ownership of land in Israel. There's really only leasing. I, if, I, if I buy a piece of land from you, I'm really not buying it. I am leasing it for the number of years until the Yovel. Of course, if I lease it at the early in the 49-year cycle, the price is going to be quite high because I have to Yovel. If I, the price will keep going down. As you get closer to Yovel, it's maybe a one-year, two-year, one-year lease. So the price is, is uh, much lower. So this has a tremendous impact on the economics. But everything reverts back to its original ownership. Also, as I mentioned before, certain personal debts are forgiven. Also, all servants go free. And all of these transformations begin with a shofar blast. The Torah says on Yovel, on Yovel you blow the shofar. Okay, so the derivation is going to be the Torah says you blow shofar on Yovel and the Talmud makes a connection between Yovel and Rosh Hashanah and therefore the Talmud says on Rosh Hashanah we also blow the shofar. But here's the problem. On Yovel, we don't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. We blow the shofar on Yom Kippur. And we don't blow the trua sound. We only blow the tekiah sound. And on Yovel, 
we only blow one blast. Not 100, not 60, not 30, not any of the numbers that we blow on Rosh Hashanah. One Tekiah blast on Yom Kippur. Further than that, there's a difference of opinion about how many Yovel years were actually observed so far in Jewish history because it requires that the Jewish people had to enter the land of Israel, conquer and settle the land of Israel, and it only applied while a majority of the world's Jews were living in Israel and also while the Beit HaMikdash was standing. So it only applied up until some portion of the first temple period. Didn't apply at all in the second temple period according to most opinions. So there are different opinions about how many Yovels there were. The, the, the opinion with the highest number is 17. So 17 times so far in Jewish history, on Yom Kippur, one Tekiah was blown. And that is the source of our practice to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah every year, a hundred sounds, 30 sounds, whatever the number is, Tekiah, Shvarim, Trua, Tekiah, as I described. What kind of sense does that make? How does that work? So listen to the idea that Rabbi Biederman suggests. Let's think about Yovel for a moment. On Yom Kippur, at the beginning of the Yovel year, there is one shofar blast, one tkiah. What happens when that single sound is heard? A complete revolutionary, radical transformation of the life of every single individual and the life of the entire society. It is a radical reallocation of wealth. The poor became wealthy. The wealthy became poor. Why would a person sell land that they, loan, that they own in Israel? Because they were poor and they needed the money. Now all of a sudden they get it back. It's like they're starting over again. It's a system that, among other goals, erases the cycle of poverty. The poor become wealthy. The wealthy become poor. Servants go free. That single shofar sound ushered in a new world. Nothing was the same after that one shofar blast on the Yovel. And that is what you need to know about Rosh Hashanah. The potential for radical transformation in the life of every one of us as individuals and in the life of a society and in the life of the world. Anything can turn around on Rosh Hashanah. You know, there's a famous line, beautiful line, that we say on Rosh Hashanah when we do blow shofar. 
It's a short poem. Hayom haras olam. We usually translate that is, today is the birthday of the world. Today is the anniversary of creation. But there's a scholar who wrote a very important work called Yaras Tavash, and he suggests the translation is different. Hayom haras olam is in the present tense. Today is the creation of a new world. This Rosh Hashanah, 5781, this Shabbos and Sunday, God creates a new world now. The world that exists right now will be finished on Friday afternoon. Starting Shabbos, 5781, it will be a new world with new opportunities and new realities. And that is ushered in by the Rosh Hashanah Shofar, just like that radically transformed new reality was ushered in by that one Tekiah blast at the Yovel. Our rabbis want us on Rosh Hashanah when we mention the shofar on Shabbos and when we blow and hear the sounds of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, they want us to think about the source. They want us to think about blowing the shofar on Yovel and the potential for an equivalent transformation in our lives. That's why the the, the, the um, derivation is so technical and so circuitous because our rabbis want us in our minds to invoke and to hear that sound because it's that transformation that can apply on our Rosh Hashanah, 5781. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in 